It's been kind of cool because before, so when I, when I was working as a school resource officer and I would go into the schools, there'd be a lot of kids that would engage with you, right? They were just excited to see you because they knew what your purpose was there. And they, a lot of kids, even if they didn't really like you, they felt better knowing you were there, you know, but you walk in there with a dog and you get mobbed, right? Like you can't go <laughs> anywhere fast. And so even kids that may not normally talk to me are on the floor petting the dog. And before you know it, now I'm building relationships with them. And the next time I walk in there and I don't have the dog, they come up and talk to me. And so yeah. it's created a whole new segue. And that's a great perspective because I think we get lost and we're here to enforce the law. And yeah. Lost in the fact that we're really should be here to build community relations. And yeah, yeah we got to take law enforcement action at times. Yep. But that community relations is going to go a lot further than, you know, yep. just being one track minded all the time. And there's a time and place for that. I, I fully 100 percent. But, you know, at the same time, all work is being done in our communities that a lot of us live in. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. No, you're right. I mean, I think when it comes to like especially organizations like Back the Blue Canine Force, you normally might not see them doing something that would even be related to the school, right? But now it's given us this opportunity, you know, to engage kids in events that are raising money for a nonprofit, right? So they're excited about coming to, we we have a, what we call the Rex Run, and it's a 5K, and it's a family event, and people come out and um, if they don't want to run, they participate in other activities, but we do dog demos there. We talk about the program and auction stuff off, but there's, there's kids that are like, you know, they're coming from my school and I don't even see them. I just hear them yelling the dog's name because they're so used to seeing it, <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, this is cool because now when they're older, they may be more likely to be like, Hey, I want to be involved in, in an organization like this that supports these dogs. Cause I grew up around, you know? When they see That's a dog right. that has a badge, because believe it or not, there's other therapy dogs in some of our schools. But if our dogs are there, they walk right past those dogs because they're like, I want to go pet the dog that has a badge on. You know, I want to be involved with that yeah. dog. And so it's it's been really cool to see that, you know, bringing like a new generation of kids kind of into into that world. Yeah, that's that's crazy, John, because really what I heard you say was those other dogs were like the fire department or the fire <laughs> and everybody wanted to be with the cool kids which had the badges on their dogs right yeah i mean our dogs are kind of like their dogs heroes you know <laughs> <laughs> that is 100 correct okay i get it now I'm, I'm i'm falling in line with that okay so um i like to introduce john gray to everybody and he's part of a great organization called back the blue canine force we're doing this week's segment on just a canine nonprofit. And, and I kind of want to expose our listeners to the nonprofit side of the reality of canine in today's law enforcement, right? Because not everybody and not every agency can fund their program as well as some can. And, you know, some of that is budget cuts. Some of that is agencies or government agencies in general. Uh, municipalities and or county commissioners not seeing the value of dogs and without community support a lot of that can't be done 
and there's organizations like Back to Blue Canine Force that, for whatever reason, and we're going to get the story tonight on why you guys decided to take on this task because it, it, it's it's a daunting task to to make all this work, and I think a lot of people see nonprofit and they hear horror stories or you know they hear the stories about much of the dollars not going to the actual causes so we're going to talk a little bit about that but there's there's a reason behind every organization i think that's the uniqueness of nonprofits because there's there's a real need there but there's also a heart behind the need to fill a gap to help all this come together and so I want to get into that. I want to let John introduce himself for a moment, tell us about the organization, and just segue us into the rest of tonight where maybe somebody that's listening can also get inspired to, one, donate and support the organization, and or two, start or become involved in an organization like this. So John, um, if you'll take a little bit of time to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Back to Blue Canine Force. Yeah, so like I said, my name is John Gray. I'm a deputy for Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office in Colorado. And I became affiliated with Back to Blue Canine Force about three and a half years ago. Um, and it is a nonprofit organization that was started by Diane Lewis. And she's a lady that lived in our community and her and some of her friends saw a need. And that need was originally to provide bulletproof vests for police dogs. That was their original mission. But in, I would say almost under 10 years, they went from that mission to purchasing over 15 police dogs for agencies that couldn't even afford it. They've provided money for emergency surgeries. They have provided all of our, all of our handlers with um, emergency medical kits for their dogs and the the response has just been unbelievable. So the work that they do, and, and, I, and I loved when you said, you know, kind of explaining that, like how nonprofits work in the sense that I think sometimes people think that when I donate $5, how much of this $5 goes to that exact cause? Yeah. The thing that's kind of cool now having kind of seen behind the scenes the best thing is that 100% of the proceeds that come in to Back the Blue go directly to the dogs, directly to the handler needs. The only things that would come out of that would be, hey, we're going to buy something like, let's say we, we buy stuffed animals that have our dogs' names on them. And then we sell the stuffed animals at events to help raise money for the dogs, right? So, again, even that money is just used to generate more money for the dogs and more money for the handlers. So it's incredible what they've done. Um, and, you know, the second that we really need something or have something, I can get on the phone and within a matter of minutes, Diane is like, even if I don't have the money, I'm going to find somebody who does or find somewhere that has the money. And so um, it's been incredible. I mean, anybody who can who has been around police dogs, it's, it's expensive. You know, I would say it probably varies a little bit across the country. I know our agency and in Colorado, it seems like most time a police dog could go from eight to $12,000 without any training, you know, just to acquire the dog. And so it's expensive. And then you tack on equipment and, oh, the handler needs equipment now and we need training. We need to send people to 
different things. It's it can be taxing on a department, and so Back the Blue provides that support not only for the sheriff's office but for other metropolitan agencies that otherwise they probably wouldn't even have a canine program. Yeah, that's tremendous, and I I just want to make sure I heard you right. My hearing as I got older is a little bit dampened. Did you say 100% of your guys' proceeds go directly towards the mission that you guys support, which is dogs, dog handlers, and equipment? Yep. Yeah, it's been it's been unbelievable. That's crazy, man. That's, so, that's so crazy. None of them take – none of these – they're all volunteers. Nobody is taking – nobody is paying themselves. I mean, I, I'll guarantee you Diane works probably more hours than I do in a week, and she doesn't get paid. She does that out of just the, <laughs> just her own, you know, kindness and generosity. And so it's just unbelievable. And so we've done um, a multitude of different events, and we're constantly trying to come up with new ways to, to not just say, hey, we need money, but to say, hey, how can we engage with the community so that, when they donate the money, they can either see directly where it goes. I, I think for me, if I were to donate money and to be able to say, hey, I purchased this for that dog, I think that's cool. You know, I think that provides value to me as a donor rather than, hey, I donate it even maybe if it was only, uh, you know, $5 or I donate it $50 and I never saw where it went. You know, they told me it went to a good cause. Um, and so... I think that that's been kind of cool where people will, you know, um, we've done some events like canine, we did a canine Christmas event. So people could actually pick items off of a list for a dog and say, I want to buy this specifically for that dog. And then we do a the actual event so they could show up and interact with the dog and, you know, bring the gift with them if they'd like. And so it's, it's been kind of cool to see that creativity come into play when it comes to engaging people to to be a part of it, you know. Yeah, I don't know too many people that work for free, right? But when you have a passion and a heart for something, right? Yeah. It brings on a totally different perspective. And you see the vision unfold in front of you. The other thing I thought about as you were, you know, talking about Diane and kind of what she does and how much she gives to this organization. But think about the cool thing that she's also done is she brought you in, which gives her a unique perspective from somebody that's not only a recipient probably of some of these proceeds, but also gets to relate to the people that it's going to, right? Because I know like for me, if I was, you know, involved in an organization, but I didn't have the background in that organization, it would be kind of difficult to relate to some degree because some things I don't understand about, you know, let's say the medical field or whatever, right? Right. But if I had a doctor on staff or a doctor that was helping us, then that brings in a whole different perspective. And I would believe that you lend a lot of that support to that perspective to help the organization fully understand how much support they're really giving to these dog handlers and and these dogs and how important it is. And I bet you play a vital role in that and really don't even realize that. I I think what's kind of, cool is you know diane's brought in people that she's known for a long time and when it when it comes to like our our dogs we are we are so blessed in that there's been so many people who have even full-time jobs that work with diane that work with all of us and you know let's say we have an upcoming event like our rex run and, and we can talk about that later but we have you know that event and 
we'll have all sorts of people come together to plan that and they all have full-time jobs, you know, and they're there just to help us. And it's unbelievable how many people are willing to, to give that time. And I think we're kind of lucky too, in that, um, you know, there's a lot of agencies that may or may not have have, or, you know, had a, an SRO program that had dogs, you know, and maybe they had a canine program already, but, um, you know, it's kind of cool that our canine program and our, um, school related canine program kind of works so well together because if it didn't, you know, I, I think we would just be, you know, we all work for the same place. We'd be kind of battling against each other, but we can kind of all get ideas. And then we all kind of work with back the blue canine force to provide that knowledge. Cause sometimes they know a lot of, you know, stuff about patrol related response stuff that I might not have any idea in terms of how they deploy their dog, you know, other than my exposure right. and just working with the dogs when I worked on patrol, you know, which is much more limited capacity. So um, it's been really neat to, to see how many people it really takes to come together, like you said, to provide different perspectives on things. And, you know, we do the events, um, you know, sometimes it's cool because you'll see, okay, the therapy dogs are out walking and interacting with everybody, but hey, you know what? The dogs are going to go do a bite demo over on the field. And it's like, everybody's like yeah. right over there, right? And it's cool to see. <laughs> no matter what the dogs are doing, people are just investing because they just want to want to be a part of it. And I think it's really cool to yeah. see that civilians have had enough passion, like you said, to put in their personal time to be involved, to help us, to make all this possible. Yeah, that's, it's remarkable when you sit back and look, you know, 2016 uh, was when uh, this organization was formed and to see where it's at now, you know, is probably beyond the vision that was ever imagined, right? Yeah, I mean, when you go from purchasing a vest to buying a dog, you know, to yeah. in, our, in our last Rex run, it's a, that uh, 5K that we do. And, and when we started that, um, that was to help raise money to get more dogs onto the SRO unit so we could get more dogs in schools. And and just with that event alone, the first year we raised over $30,000 in a day. And that's unbelievable. Wow. And so, again, that money provided two dogs. We were able to put two more dogs in um, in our schools. We were able to provide equipment for all of our, you know, for all of our dogs. They were able to buy vest for our dogs it, it it was just it was unbelievable and so we just had our second rex run this past summer and again it was it was over a thirty thousand dollar day and it, it takes a lot of volunteers to make that event happen i had no Absolutely. idea how much went into planning an event but it's way more than i ever expected <laughs> i can tell you that that's right yes it is uh maya does and coordinates our events and uh you know even if it's just something small you know, like a lunch or, you know, a meeting dinner or something like that. It, it mm -hmm. just, there's so much little minute details that go into making it all smooth. She did the Christmas party this last year and yeah, she, uh, she saw the full wrath of how much goes <laughs> into to just coordinating people, you know, yeah. like herding sheep, right? She yeah. like trying to make sure everybody's there on time, making sure the <laughs> vendors got their stuff together yeah. And, you know, the pressure of making it a, a successful event and really honoring what you're representing. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. You're absolutely right. 
Yeah, and it's been really cool because we've actually had kind of a shift in our agency in that our canine program is actually all, I don't want to say new, but you know, we don't have anybody on right now that's been on for 25 years as a handler, right? And so yeah. while there can be some negative things, that the, the good thing is that with that, they're sending us all over the country right now to get training, right? That we haven't had at our agency in 25 years. And there's great training out there now. And so we're able to adopt so many new things that have come to light when it comes to, you know, how to deploy a dog or how to train a dog and different philosophies that we would have never considered in the past. But now, now our agency is like, hey, this is a good time to get everybody to training. And it's cool that that can be part of the mission through Back to Blue 2 is, hey, let's get officers that are handlers better trained to better train these dogs, right? And that ultimately could keep a dog safe, right? I mean, and it's it's been a really fun um, process in seeing how, you know, how both the school team has formed. Um, we have five dogs now and all of them have been, you know, because of Back the Blue, Canine Force has purchased all of our dogs, all of our equipment. Um, and so, Really, our program might not even exist if it wasn't for some of that funding. Yeah, that's awesome. You look at the operation, the formation of an organization, then you look at how the organization operates. But the reality of it, what keeps it going is the donations, right? Yeah. So can you speak a little bit on what do you, what does Back to Blue Canine Force do to raise funds and how how what's the process that they go through to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say a majority of things that we actually work on to generate revenue um, are, you know, like I said, we have all these custom made um, step dogs. That's probably while that seems like it'd be a small thing, it actually generates a lot of funds. Um, so we purchase all these dogs, we take them to events, whether it's our county fair, uh, sheriff's office, open house, and we'll have other agencies kind of come partner with us and, and we sell dogs. Um, obviously donations where people just donate just cause, um, but then we also do different like kind of unique events in, in the sense of um, we've done, you know, dog demos and stuff at the sheriff's office open house where we're actually showing and kind of showcasing what the dogs do. And then maybe we'll talk about, hey, these are the needs of the dogs. So then we're getting, we're we're targeting exactly what it is that the dogs may need so that we can get more specific donations there. Um, our newest, I would say kind of our newest venture is that me and a, another deputy that I work with in our kind of in our spare time had illustrated and wrote a children's book about our dogs. Okay. And so we, we self-published the book um, and we are going to give all the proceeds from the book sales to back the blue so that that can support the dogs. So um, again, just another way to raise funds for the nonprofit. So I think we're trying to always think of stuff like I would say right now, one of our biggest events is the Rex run, um, which, you know, we're going to do that every year and hopefully you know with there being a vendor fair there we've had people from other states travel in which is really cool but i'd say a lot of people don't realize but it's just even our holiday events just events that we plan to where people can show up and yeah. interact with the dogs see what those needs are 
maybe they purchase, we have poker chips that have our dog's faces on them. I know they do those all across the country, right? But those sometimes are a hot item to where people are like, oh, that's really cool. You know, I want to, I want to buy a stuffed dog and a poker chip. And I know that that money goes directly towards supporting your dog. And it's kind of cool working in schools because we had one of our elementary schools say, hey, we want to sell the stuffed dogs for you. So they sold in um, just a few weeks, they sold $3,000 worth of stuffed dogs just at one school. So our county services, almost 40 elementary schools. So, um, and that's across two districts, you know, it's been, it's been incredible the support from the schools. And then we also, um, one last kind of thing we do to generate money is we, we auction off experiences. So in the schools, the PTOs will ask, hey, will you donate? Well, we'll, what we'll do is we'll donate a, I call it like a Rex experience or our other dogs, you know, they'll plug in their name. And what we can do is we have a basket with all the swag related to our dog. We bring them out to the sheriff's office. We give them a full tour. We do dog demos. We show them, talk about how we train the dogs. They have dinner with us. Um, They get to play with the dogs. And so that's kind of an experience that we auction off. And it, and I mean, honestly, that, that one experience alone in one of my elementary schools, which was advertised through the PTO raised $6,000 in one night. So, <laughs> so some of these things wow. are, are cool because in the grand scheme of things, right, that doesn't cost us a lot, but we can bring people out and give them a really unique, really cool experience. And, and it raises a lot of money. So it's been Kind of cool to see what different avenues we can utilize to really fund because medical bills and things like that for dogs get expensive fast. Yeah, you know, you have one slip up or a, a torn ACL and that's thousands of dollars. You break the right teeth and that's thousands of dollars worth of work and that's not even life saving, right? You get right. into something like bloat or other ailments that you know, require surgery, recovery, all those things are are highly regarded when it comes to funding in order to, you know, save a dog's life or to help a dog through a difficult situation. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's it, it's crazy how fast it, it adds up and gets expensive. Um, but, you know, I, I will say it's it's better when you can have a large group of people trying to come up with new ways on how we can how we can engage the community to raise money because you know not everybody wants to buy something you know sometimes people don't want to blindly donate but you know how can we show them what our needs are and how can we do that creatively and you know whether it's coming up with a new shirt that we want to sell or a you know different i guess just different ways to you know different ways to raise money yeah, absolutely. Now, I do have a question. The name of the organization, Back the Blue Canine Force, where did that come from? So I think initially, um, you know, it, it started out just being an organization just for police dogs. And Diane and her and her group of friends came up with that name. So I don't I don't want to misspeak on how the name formed um, exactly. But um I think it's just honestly them bringing together their their force people from the community to back the dogs, and I they always use the 
the the slogan which we all know right let's support the the pause that enforce the laws they that's what they're here for they just you know they want to um show that the that our community supports its law enforcement and you know and they saw a need and i thought it was really cool that um you know they they saw actually dogs working and saw that they didn't have proper equipment and that's what inspired this yeah, whole thing you. you know and it's crazy to see that you know you went from that to to now you're making things happen for police agencies that you don't even realize it but some of these dogs they're saving officers lives you know yeah, you can send yeah, a dog sure. in the, to clear a house or to clear a building or to you know search for an explosive that otherwise you'd have an officer in there or uh you know somebody trying to manipulate a robot or do something like that right so it's a huge deal that they're able to provide a dog for an agency that can't afford it so but john i don't know where you grew up right but where i grew up i was never exposed to dogs right and what i mean by that is is because of the exposure of these dogs in an elementary school, we talk about the DARE program and other programs that have kind of shaped the vision of some young kids, especially from a law enforcement perspective and exposed yeah. them to a law enforcement career that maybe otherwise was never exposed to that. But think about that for dogs as well, right? You're helping kids. You may bridge a gap between a kid and yourself or a kid and a dog that would have never opened up or never utilize that resource um, to make big things happen. That dog bridges that gap. Uh, on top of that, you're exposing them to things that they may want to do as a career later on. I also want to be a canine handler, police officer yep. to one day become a canine handler. And I hope that I can influence somebody in, in another school with my dog one day. And so we're giving these kids opportunities to be exposed to an industry that they may have only seen the negative on the news. Yeah. Now, now they really see the real side of law enforcement that we all see that oftentimes is never reported on. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know that I was very knowledgeable on or ever really interacted or knew much about police dogs until I worked at the sheriff's office, you know, other than yeah. maybe seeing them on TV, you know, and so this is, you're right, it's opened up a lot of doors and started a lot, a lot of conversations for kids because they genuinely don't know. They don't know what some yeah. of the dogs do. They don't, they even ask questions about what our dogs do. And, you know, so I have that chance to explain, you know, hey, this is how they keep us safe. This is how the dog works, right? And And I think we get a lot of questions too on like, well, you know, I think with how the how therapy dogs started and everybody wanted to put an emotional support dog patch on their dog you know on their chihuahua and bring it on a plane yeah. and there there was a lot of mud there and so now that we're trying to clear up those waters i i try to explain to people too like hey there's a whole side of this training and patterning this dog into understanding how to detect the hormonal change in somebody right I want a, I want an actual trained scientific response from my dog, just as if he was searching for an explosive. I want him to use his nose to, to find somebody who is hormonally impacted in a room where nobody's crying. And then I know I've succeeded, right? So I'm like, well, what does a therapy dog do? I'm like, 
that's what we're doing. And it has been awesome to see him engage with somebody. We'll go into a classroom, he'll pick one student out and just sit by them. And they're like, you go up and you start talking to them. They're like, that's weird. I had a really hard morning. You know, sometimes they're tearing up and they're like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why he came and sat with me. And I'm like, why? <laughs> but, but you know, um, you know, and then, and then next thing you know, it's like you said, we're, we're building connections that otherwise might not be there because even our handlers that have patrol dogs will tell you it's nerve wracking for them taking their dogs, even though they're well-behaved, even though they're trained yeah. around kids, right? Because they don't want anything to happen, right? Kids are brutal. I work around kids every day. I know they're brutal, right? They pull the dog's ear, even if they're trying to be friendly because they, they're gaining that understanding. It's like you said, you know, they may have had limited exposure. You know, I had a girl walk my dog to class. She had never seen a dog before. She was from another country, never seen a dog before. And she was scared to death. And after, I would say, five minutes of hanging out with us, she actually took the leash and walked the dog to class. And so I think those experiences are have been kind of really impactful, you know, not only on me, but I think on even the staff in the school, right, to being like, wow, I really see a huge need for, for this program. And, you know, again, with a program like this, now a lot of other agencies are trying to do it. And so yeah, that's right. we're getting a lot of questions on how do we raise funds, you know, which is why I think this is this is an awesome podcast because I get this question a lot. How do you guys fund your dogs? You know, and I'll be honest, yeah. there's a there's a lot of stuff that the sheriff's office purchases. We are very, very fortunate in that our sheriff, I, I don't even know that it took him 10 minutes to make the decision to approve this program. He has been, I have never heard the guy say yeah. no to me, you know. Our Sheriff Tyler Brown has been supportive from day one, and that has not been the case for some people who are trying to, you know, start up a program. And so if you don't have that backing, right, if you don't have support, and maybe there's a little question there of, well, this seems expensive, you know, without a nonprofit, where do you go, right? If you don't have your agency, yeah, funding, right. you don't have a nonprofit, where do you go, right? And so having that collaboration together, and so that's brought up, you know, just now, agencies out here, I think, even though maybe it's been this way for a little bit, are starting to kind of adopt that, hey, let's start our own nonprofit, right? We can start our own nonprofit to fund our canine or to help. Maybe it's to, you know, uh, provide better SWAT gear for when they have a critical incident or whatever it is. But there's people out there that want to donate, you know, or that say, hey, we'll That's host right. an event, right? We've had people reach out and say, hey, we would love to host an event at our restaurant for you guys. Or, hey, we would love to host an event here. And so I think, you know, it's really neat to see, like I said, you know, back to Blue Canine Force and, and all these volunteers just jump right in and say, hey, you know, we're going to help you set this event up and, and we're going to help raise money for dogs. And that's crazy because you bring up an interesting point because without the sheriff's support, without your school system support. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you have or, you know, what the cost yeah. is, it could have got shot down before it ever got started. Yeah. And so that puts and moves to the forefront, the ability to have leadership that recognizes that this is non-traditional, mm -hmm. but I'm interested and let's yep. see what we need to do to make it work. And, and most times, from an admin perspective, it's just the support. Yeah. You let 
these go-getters go, yeah. and they're going to make you look good. And yeah. so have a little bit less control and a little bit more freedom and allow these people to excel in the things that they really want to do in their career. And you'll be surprised on the on the leaps and bounds that they make because you've allowed them yeah. to do that. You know, so that leadership is important as well. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, taking a chance for, for a, you know, a government organization is scary, right? Like they're always like, yeah. what's the liability? What is the potential? What could go wrong with this? You know, and, and there's that risk, right? But again, it's like you said, when you have that support and like I said, we were fortunate that our sheriff's like, I, I like the concept. I like where your guys' minds yeah. are. This is something that we can see our agency putting a huge emphasis on community policing, which for a long time, right? It's not that we haven't done community policing, but as long as I've been in law enforcement now, I haven't seen revolutionary ways of, of bringing forth problems to the people that we're, we're serving, right? And so, you know, it, it goes back to when we looked, you know, back at like the broken windows theory and things like that. They stayed around for a while, but every once in a while, we have to come up with new ways, you know, to to community police or new ways to engage the people that we're trying to serve and protect. Right. And so it's kind of neat to have, you know, to work with an organization. It's like, yep, we're going to take a chance. We're, we're going to take a chance. And not only that, something else that you said, too, is not only do they have to be willing to take the chance, but they have to be willing to invest that money to take a chance, right? And for a sheriff's office that has board of county commissioners, we have other, there's a lot of things that go, you know, in at play there when it comes to funding, where that's the fortunate thing about a nonprofit, right? If If you can get support from your agency, and you can get funding elsewhere, it will make it so much easier for you to start a program or to operate a program without it being a burden on administration. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, you know, you, you're also finding a lot of naysayers that are in the background saying, oh, you know, I don't see the reward for this or wasting a bunch of time in training we're training these officers that are going to leave next year or we're investing all this money. What's the return on it? Right. Yeah. Then when you get rolling and it starts snowballing and the community starts jumping on board, then you really see the, the four, the multipliers of investing those 1%, uh, that 1% equity into this, you know, for a period of time until it really makes something big. It took a little while, but yeah. now you're looking back and you're going, wow. Yeah, in essence, it could have been stopped before it ever got started because leadership could have cut it out. Yeah, but instead they supported it, and and now you guys were are able to grow it to what it is today, and that's that's just awesome to see. But I think it's a testament on what we need to be forward thinking in in community policing and the ways that we approach things nowadays. Well, and it's kind of like you know I think a lot of times we look for proof of concept, right? I need to know that I need to know that this is actually working, right? And so we want in, in law enforcement, you know, we always want data. How can I get data? I want qualitative data, right? Yeah. It's hard to always quality, you know, to get actual, you know, and I put a number on it, right? Whether it's qualitative or yeah. quantitative data, whatever, 
whatever you're, it is you're looking for. Sometimes it's hard to get that data. But the cool thing is, is that when the community started, when we started with my dog Rex, who was an eight week old puppy, we bring him in, swear him in, start training him. And within three years, right? And it hasn't even been three years yet. We have expanded to five dogs. There's your proof, right? That we're all purchased by our community, right? That we're all requested by the school districts that they service, right? And so I think it's really cool to see not only the need of the community present itself, but the solution for some of the problems show its, you know, show its benefit and show that it's actually a, a necessary tool. And I think that's the thing that's really cool too, is when I just went to a training recently in California and um, we went with some of our other canine handlers and, and it was really cool to see the perspective of like, Hey, just, just because a dog is in police work, doesn't mean it can only do X, Y, Z, right? Dogs are incredible, right? I mean, they can be trained for a multitude of things that, I mean, that you, you say something like, oh, well, there's bed bugs, you know, in this place, there's a bed bug dog that can detect that. And people are like, what, you know? So you get a lot of shock from people, right? That's just because dogs are incredible. So now, you know, when we were at this training, it was cool to see people like, wow, you know, like I wouldn't have thought of using a dog that way, right? We've always had drug dogs and bite dogs or tracking dogs or, you know, and they're like, we've never thought of using a dog. And and I'll be honest, right? Even some of our canine handlers, I'm sure we're scratching their heads at first. Like, wait, what do you guys want to do? Really? (laughs) You know? But I think now that it's played out and we've seen we've seen where we wanted it to go and we've seen it get there. Now we have a good understanding and it's cool to see other people like, Hey, I've been around working around law enforcement for a long time. And it's cool to see them taking that chance or it's cool to see them give you guys that opportunity. Right. And it's, it's really neat to see people that maybe would have never thrown a dollar bill in support to the sheriff's office or like, here's a hundred dollars. You know, we appreciate your dog working in our kids' school, you know? Yeah. Dogs have always been there to bridge the gap, you know, but it's not for everybody, you know? It's not for every handler to work a therapy dog and to be around kids, right? Because let's be quite honest, you know, most canine handlers get into it for the excitement of, you know, the chase and all those other things. Yeah. But there's a definite need for those, you know, resource officers, that are there every day meeting our kids and taking care of them. I wouldn't send my kid to a school that didn't have a great SRO program because I know there's an absolute need for that. Yeah. With that being said, now we incorporate dogs and build gaps and bridge those, those maybe uh, disgruntled kids that really don't understand and only getting fed from one side of the house, if you will. And now they get to see a whole different perspective. You know what? That police officer is not a bad guy. He's actually yeah. pretty cool, right? Yeah. And he has a dog. And, you know, <laughs> so you just continue to multiply that tenfold. And, and the real proof in the pudding is, and I would venture to say this, wait wait about another five years because the program's been running about three. So let these kids grow up. Yeah. Right? And I would almost assure you, you're going to start seeing them come back and yeah. start seeing them and giving you feedback, man, I, I can remember the first day I met you guys. I can remember the first day I met 
this dog or this, and I'm doing this now because of this. And, you know, I was really heading down a a bad road and this really helped me. I I, I can almost guarantee that we're going to start, or you guys are going to start seeing this come to fruition and really seeing the fruits of your guys' labor. Yeah. And I'm excited for that day. I mean, we've, we've done like, you know, I know I kind of talked about some of the things we've done, you know, raising money wise, but you know, the things that we do in the schools, whether it's, you know, I, I do a reading program in my school where we do reading with Rex and I bring the dog in and kids can practice reading to them. And it's not reading to their whole class of kids that are afraid to public speak. It's a great way, right? Or, there you, go. you know, the dog's not going to judge them, right? And so, um, or I'll read a book with Rex to the students, right? And so they're like, oh, a police officer came to my school and read us a book today, right? And either that or we incentivize kids to have good leadership and good behavior by I'll have lunch with the kids. So we'll take a table full of winners that like, hey, these are students that were nominated this month for leadership and I'll have lunch with them. And I bring the dog in and they get to have lunch with the dog. And so it's, there are so many like levels to this program that I tell people all the time that are SROs that are looking at developing a program like this. I'm like, hey, you're gonna be only limited by your own creativity. I mean, the the sky's the limit, right? Whatever program you can come up with, and you're right, the more we come up with things like this now, you know, the more we get those responses, which is cool, because even as just an SRO before I had a dog, you know, some of the people that went to my school that were middle schoolers when I used to work in a middle school were now explorers for us or some of them were at the high school and now they're police officers that work, you know, the sheriffs that work with us, you know, and I'm like, I remember when you were in high school and now you're a deputy. This is crazy. I'm getting old, right? But, but I know what you're saying though, you know, those, those connections, I think could be even strengthened with the dog program. So I'm really excited to see what and I encourage people, truthfully, I really do. I encourage people if they have any support, if they can find ways to fundraise, if they can find a nonprofit to work with, to make something possible to get, you know, whether it's a, an SRO canine program going or a dog, a you know, canine program going, it's amazing what these dogs can do to save officers and to interact with the community. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, going back to our earlier conversation, I've already heard three ways that another program can use to, can do to raise funding, right? One of which is your poker chips, right? Sell a souvenir that's related to your unit. Come up with some other stuffed animal or something that's recognizable to your unit and a little bit unique. And then also to have specific fundraising events such as the Rex Run. Yeah, where they're doing a 5K or some other type of race, right? But the underlying factor here is to build those community relations and to really bridge the or forge that that relationship. Yeah, and because that's where you're really going to get your support and your traction is from having that community relations, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, you can see the like I've seen the benefit recently with community relations when it when it comes to the book, right? So when we started looking at how do we make this book happen, we needed a lot of sponsors. So reaching out to the school districts, 
Um, there's a lot of businesses that support back the blue canine force that will often donate lots of money to say, hey, you know what? We saw this dog had a surgery. Our business wants to donate $20,000 towards that surgery. You know, it's it's crazy because you can see all these places within your community step up, you know, rise to the to the challenge and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna donate, right? And so that's been really powerful. And I know that there's even like the grocery stores by us or Amazon, there's different ways that you can tap into your account so that when you're making purchases, a small amount of that purchase goes towards back to blue canine force, which is cool, right? That's things that you don't even realize, right? Every time you go to the grocery store and then the grocery store donates 1% of my grocery, well, that's awesome, right? So yeah. there's other ways that of engaging that, but so much of it comes from those community partnerships that you develop along the way. And so, yeah. I mean, that's powerful, especially when you're gonna run events, right? If you're gonna run an event, um, you know, and I'm sure that you guys both know this, when you start looking at, Hey, what all do we need? Let's say we're going to do an auction. Well, now we need auction items. If you have good community relations and, and good community partnerships, and you have people that are like, "Hey, I want to donate this item to your auction," That's you right. know, so that you can raise money for your nonprofit. It's unbelievable, you know. And so, for the Rex run last year, we had so many items that I'm like, I'm going to be broke because I'm going to have to try to win all these items myself, <laughs> you know. Right. And so, but it's cool because. We were able to get so many unique things that were because we had volunteers that had good partnerships with people. And so I encourage, like, I see there's a lot of really awesome agencies in Georgia that are killing it on social media and that are doing a great job when it comes to events, right? So much so that here we can be in Colorado and know exactly what's going on in Alpharetta, right? Or we can go know exactly what's going on with other dogs out there. And it's because, again, you have good partnerships, you have good social media, and you have all these things that culminate, and you can get support from people that may not even know you exist, you know, and it's yeah, just unbelievable. Right. Yeah, and that was the other thing I was going to bring up, John, you know, besides the money, right? Yeah. There's other resources that people donate you already named items for auctions and things of like that but i'm sure there's also people that donate the resources that they have so i want to make sure that people understand that especially those that may be listening that want to support you but maybe they don't have yeah. the money to do that but they have other things yeah you know i can give you money or maybe i have this gold nugget that i have that i could give you too that could be worth the weight of yeah. money for the organization, right? Um, off the top of your head, and I know I'm putting you on the spot with this, but are there some sure. items that maybe somebody could, or resources that somebody could lend to you that would help the organization? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think of, I think of like, okay, when we need to run events, oh, it's endless, right? Like we could, we could use a golf course that's like, hey, maybe we don't have any money, but you can, you can borrow three of our golf carts that day. That's a huge savings for us, right? Or uh, it's even as simple as a, a company that can, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna donate our bouncy castle to you for a day for your kids event, right? Things like that, right? So you like you're saying, sometimes it's not always even just the financial, but sometimes it's the time. We've even had people that are news anchors or that are radio show hosts who are saying, 
I will donate my time to you and I will come MC your event. So there you go. I think yeah, there are good. so many things that go into this that we just literally don't even think about that are like, hey, we don't always just need a financial support. We need community support. So if you have something, if you own a business and you have something that you can bring to the table, I encourage people to reach out and ask because you know, that that's a huge benefit, right? If when we're playing an event and somebody's like, hey, I got, like I said, I got a golf cart you can use. Hey, we make signs. Would you guys like to use the, the frames for our signs for your event? Yes, please. Would you guys like to use this? Yeah, you know, or or even we've had food trucks say, hey, we'll just come out to your event, right? We won't make, we won't charge you to come out. We'll just come out to your event or different things like that. It's just unbelievable, you know? So I think so, so often we get, zoned in on one thing right or we get hyper focused on one thing like okay well we need funding for this but you're right there's a lot of resources that you know maybe it's even a discount on something we have some really good i mean here in colorado we have ray allen um who's probably ray allen's probably one of the biggest canine equipment manufacturers that i'm aware of um and they honestly, they do, they work with us a lot. You know, they work with us a lot on different things, whether it's pricing on things. And, and there's a lot of even smaller, you know, I, I, I can even think of like some boutique style dog places that work with us, you know, that are like, Hey, we just made these dog toys and they just brought them to our agency. And you know what? That's huge. Right. So yeah. I'm glad you said that because there are so many things that you're like, I wouldn't even thought that you guys needed this. But, you know, now, you know, now maybe we can, we can partner on something that I never knew I could have provided, you know? Yeah. And I even think about skill sets, right? People can yep. donate their skill sets. Hey, I can create the flyers for you guys, or I can yeah. post this or repost this on my social media to help you guys promote this event. Or, you know, you mentioned the DJ. So it's not just money. It's just not items. Yeah. Also, when you talk about community, I want people to understand that it's just not the community where you're at, John, but yeah, we say it's our community because it can be anywhere in the country. You're still part yeah. of our community, you know, because we're all here to help each other out. And I'm sure if somebody needed your help, yeah, they could call on you, right? Because yeah. that's what you guys are there for. So right. it all comes full circle if you think about it it's not just a one-way track oh we just need your money so that we can support this and this and this no if you need us as well there may, yeah. may be a need that you have or maybe it's a need for a dog in your community um and we'll get to that portion here in a minute but people can then reach out and go hey i just know there's a canine handler in my area that really could use this is there a way that we can help them and i'm sure you guys would consider that Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, the, like the cool thing working with dogs, like I said before, it's like the connections you make are unbelievable. And so when it comes to, you know, even, even resources for, um, you know, Hey, we're, we're hosting an event. Like you said, sometimes I don't, I might not even need somebody to MC something. I might just need them to share something on social media because they have a million followers. Right a shout out like that is huge and that took them nothing other than a click so there are so many different ways i kind of go back to and i i, I always like overuse this saying but 
again, you're, you're limited by your creativity, right? So whatever you can come up with, I mean, we have people donate paintings to the Rex run. I, unbelievable. She was an unbelievable artist, donated paintings that she did of the dogs. Um, you know, so it's like, Hey, whatever skills you have that you think might have nothing to do with dogs could totally be related to helping us, you know, you could totally. And, and I think too, like. Recently, we've had to, there's a lot of agencies that are like, Hey, we don't have training resources. Like if I'm going to get a dog, I don't have any ability to train it. So I'm going to have, I have to then rely on somebody else. Right? So. It's just like you're saying, there's people that are driving. We, ha we have people that um, are soon going to be driving from uh, both Utah and Wyoming to come shadow us and to kind of see what our program is all about. And that may ultimately come train with us, you know, and so yeah. you never know what that resource is that you may need or that you may, you may have available. And I think just keeping an open mind. And what you can bring to the table is huge when it comes to, you know, all things law enforcement, even though I don't, I know we don't typically think like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But there's a true need, right? And yeah. it's evident in the growth, yeah. right? Cause if there wasn't a need, you wouldn't grow. It would have already been dissolved and yeah. it would have never gained traction, but there's a definite need and you're filling that void based on an idea that it has evolved. And, yep. you know, the imagination has taken you guys in ways and in directions that you would have never imagined now, possibly uh, influence other agencies and other programs. And, you know, by all means, I know it's, it's never perfect, but it's a work in progress all the time. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and the recognition of that is, is so important as well. Yeah, and I think the more we can, I, I always, you know, especially now, now I've learned, like, it's better to have the thought process that I know absolutely nothing, right? If I, if I think I know nothing, then I'm going to soak up as much knowledge as I can from everybody I'm around, right? So yeah, sure. when I'm in, when I'm training around other people and I might not, you know, maybe I'm not saying a lot or doing a lot, but I'm watching and I'm observing and I'm soaking up stuff, right? I'd rather learn as much as I can from other people. And, you know, yeah. you bring up a good point in that, like, Hey, you know, there are so many agencies out here, right? There's so many dogs and there's, there's a need, there's a need for a lot of these dogs to be working. Right. But there's also a huge need for training and for a lot of these other things. And so, you know, I feel pretty fortunate that we are able to get training, but I also feel for those that, may not right and so i'm excited moving forward you know to hopefully i am sure we're going to go all over the place and train with all all sorts of different people and you know hopefully soak up as much as we can so yeah if you can uh just think back for just a moment john like yep dogs have influenced a lot of people in your schools right obviously like yep. now you're reaching out to other agencies in your area but if you think about it we would have never came together if it wasn't for dogs. That's true. Yeah. Right. So dogs bridge the gap around the world. Yeah. Um, I come from a law enforcement background. That's where I got my start. And I can literally imagine myself in the desert of Dubai training dogs on a boat in the Caribbean, sitting next to a Dutch shepherd. 
But I say all that to say that dogs bring us together. It's the catalyst that we can have influence on others. It's not about the training. It's not about who has the best dog or who's the best trainer or whatever we want to say, right? It's really about how we can impact others. Exactly. And we have opportunities to do that through dogs. And people oftentimes don't seize those opportunities. They, you know, spend more time trying to prove themselves being the best than it is uh-huh. just spend time to say hey listen we're all in this together no matter what the avenue is right i can i'm sure there's a lot of naysayers that were against the program oh this is stupid we don't yes. need dogs from this <laughs> let's put dogs on the road let's kick in doors yeah. let's stop everybody and lock everybody up you know yeah. what i mean and so having that vision and having to fight through some of that stuff I'm sure it was difficult too. And that's just the reality of law enforcement, man. I, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. It's all the same. Well, there's people, you can work for the same agency, right? You can work for the same agency and have a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just great and refreshing to see that. Right. But for those that are not in the canine community, they don't understand any of this, right? Because they don't see when we talk about, Community. We talk about the other canine handler and hey, we're willing to help you. We're willing to, you know, hey, I know a guy. Let me tell you about him. You yeah. know, or I know this, or I know this person that can help you. Go see them. Give them a call. Yeah. You're in your area, whatever. And we need more of that. We need yeah, more I agree. community uh, that builds around that in order to get to the levels that you guys are at right now. And I'm and I'm proud to say that's our industry. If we'll allow it to be our industry, that's our industry. Yeah. Oftentimes we don't. And we we just got to be mindful of that as we move forward. And I hope this inspires someone else that may be listening to this that's, you know, maybe doesn't have that openness, that open-minded approach. And maybe, you know, well, that's stupid. You know, I don't know why we're wasting this or I don't know why. But look at it from a different perspective because we're not in law enforcement to 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 really um lock people up every day or to shatter lives we we got into it for the best intentions and we really need to look at it from that perspective that whatever that intention is and whatever the best way to approach it if it's meeting kids at a younger age and really helping them to be better leaders as this program does to give them a reward system and teach them that through hard work and dedication and maybe even communication when you're not feeling the best that there's always someone there around you that can help you. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think, I think it's cool to see, you know, even just for our own organization, right? You're right. There's a lots of, lots of noise, right? Lots of, of naysayers, I'm sure. But, you know, now to see how, how the program's developed kind of, kind of reiterates the fact that, Hey, you know what? You may not be totally on, on board with this idea, but we've got to, in law enforcement, we've got to be a little bit more open-minded, right? It was just like before, you know, before our canine kind of had a shift, right? There's only one way of doing things. Well, there's not. There's lots of different ways of doing things. As soon as we can break away from this, there's this is the best way, and our agency does it the best way, and it's better than your agency because of this. As soon as we can get away from that, we are so much we are so much better off because we're going to be able to learn and we're going to be able to get ourselves so much further advanced in our own abilities, I think too, you know? And so I think, yeah, 
we've had a we've had kind of a shift in that now you know you get a lot of support and i think especially too like there's a lot of people like oh my gosh we're spending a lot of money on all these therapy dogs where are we getting all this money from and i'm like really we're not having to spend a lot of money on the therapy dogs right the community is helping to to fund this program and so for even our own our own deputies to know that you know like hey a program like this you don't have to think of it as a huge burden on your on your sheriff's office or or on your municipality it doesn't have to be that way even for a, a patrol canine program it doesn't have to be that way right so sometimes you're like well why are we getting you know why are we getting a bite dog we're not allowed to bite anybody anyways well that may not be true right so we we have to still we have to still think of how do we do police work whether or not times have changed we may have to change a little bit right but we still have to have this a lot of similar goals in mind you know and so we still have to protect the community we still have to find ways to keep the community safe and even if we have to tweak little things here and there you know it's cool to see that you know i know there's a huge thing in california right recently about police dogs you know that was a, a huge thing out there right but it was kind of neat going to california to train to see how passionate people are about dogs out there yeah. and how many people yeah. are excited to train dogs and excited to make you know good working dogs and i think if we can only bring a lot of what these dogs do to light we can squash a lot of i think things that are not necessarily true right you know, I think I think when people think of police dogs, they're just like, oh my, they're just out there terrorizing the city and just biting everybody. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what's cool with some of the things that Back the Blues come up with too. Like, hey, something as simple as a newsletter. You know, if your organization doesn't even have something like that, it's just such a simple thing to we'll just tell you a story about one of our police dogs, right? Something that they did, you know, we share, share some of those stories. People want to know. I mean, anytime you you remember being a canine handler, what do they always ask you? They were like, "Oh, well, you know, what's your dog done? Have you done anything cool? Has he yeah. chased yeah. down anybody?" They want to hear the stories, right? And so, I think the more transparent we are on what the dogs are doing and how they're working, I, I think you just get more support. Yeah, well, you can either tell the truth, and what I mean by that is you can lead the stories, or you can allow the devices of other people's minds to lead the story, which is oftentimes never the truth. And so yeah. far removed from it that now we get this image of something that's so blown out of proportion that you're like, where did that even come from? Yeah. Or we can lead the narrative and say, Hey, this is what it is. Yeah. Everything's that's not pretty. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's a reason for that. Um, but there's also this other facet to what we do that really, also impacts lives in a positive way and impacts yeah. our communities. Yeah. And I think, I think really that's a nice, like a tie into where, where our program we've seen probably the biggest benefit, right? Is that, I mean, a lot, there's been a lot of, you know, different like political talk about SROs over the last couple of years, few years. And so this has really been a cool program in the sense that I think it clarifies our role as a school resource officer and what we're really doing is not so much reactive, right? 
but it's not so much reactive, proactive. So taking that stance on, hey, I, I'm not here to write you a ticket. I'm not here to arrest a student, right? I'm here to go sit in the classroom and talk to that kid who maybe just got in a fight and explain, hey, here's a different way we could have worked on this, right? You know, just having control of your emotions, right? We talk about things like emotional intelligence with kids and I utilize the dog a lot to explain things to kids and to teach kids empathy, right? Yeah. There's so many screens everywhere and so much, so much technology. So the dog is actually a great device. And so I think seeing all this come together and really make a beneficial change to how an SRO can do their job, it, the dog really pairs nicely with the role of the SRO, that proactive, um, teaching role right and it gives us it, it like you said it opens a lot of doors and so um, for us i know it's really it's really helped um us to gain a lot more support i would say in our school store sometimes people be like you know this this is ridiculous why are you guys here and sometimes what i will see is people like there's a police dog at my kid's school i'm like yeah, you know, he's the one that was on the news and he's the one that was doing this and that and right. And and the point of saying that is like, yeah, but he's here not to not to go find drugs on a kid all the time, but maybe he's here just to sit in your kid's classroom and we could talk about the dangers of drugs or we can talk about these things, right? And so it's powerful. It's powerful. And dogs are dogs are a very powerful tool. They're a good partner for a uh for not only a police officer, but a Metro, I will say. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, you know, so true in so many ways. And oftentimes, if you're not in this industry, you don't really realize that, you know, unfortunately, wartime has brought us a lot of PTSD dogs and other service type dogs, but you don't often understand the power of that dog until you see it firsthand in someone you know or in your case around all these kids and, and the changes that you've seen and the evolution you've seen take place and right here in front of your eyes. Yeah, and I kind of think we're, we're scratching the surface there and it's getting better, but I think it's gonna be really cool going forward. Like you said, I wanna see in five years, where's the program at, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's tremendous to see it, you know, even to, to just hear the stories and see it play out firsthand and see the power of these dogs impacting these kids' lives. And, you know, you can bring it down to the most simplest forms. What is one life saved with a kid worth? Yeah, yeah. I totally you know? can't so, put on it, so yeah. Yeah, you can't, you, you just can't put money to that, you know? And again, five or 10 years down the road, I'm sure you're gonna have many people come back to you and go, yeah, I remember I was in that school and, it is it, i think it's going to have a profound effect on those students i really do yeah and i think i think it's just it's cool right now now is kind of a cool time you know in law enforcement to see some of the some of these cool ideas coming to light right and, and different people implementing them and i mean i've seen some some really cool ideas i mean and honestly people use social media a lot right and that's a really cool way to interact with people too and i mean even doing podcasts like this right we need to have the ability to have a conversation that other people can can listen to and can learn something from right 
And same thing goes for me, right? I may listen to podcasts all the time about maybe it's dog training or maybe it's how somebody else got their program started, right? Oh, that's how we started our internet program. There's so much to be learned just by listening, you know? And so, um, yeah. yeah, we're we're looking forward to it. And I think this is going to be a big year uh, for, for Back to Blue. It's going to be a busy one. Like I said, we, we're getting ready to order 3,000 books. Um, and so... That's going to keep us busy for, for a while. <laughs> I know we're, so one of the ways that we plan on kind of using those to raise money is we're going to do book signings with the dogs. So we're going to go read the, read the book to kids um, after school and even at, at events on the weekends and take the dogs there and the kids can listen to the book and then they can get a, a signed copy of the book with all the dogs' paw prints in it. And so I think That's it'll awesome. be, it'll be fun. And so I encourage people, I guess, just to, you know, maybe you already have an established canine program, but don't limit yourself on how creative you can be to come up with different ways to support your own program. You know, that's great. Source podcast, all things working dogs. We're talking about nonprofits, canine nonprofits, today, and there's a handful of them around the country that I know of personally. There's probably many more than that. You guys are in a sea of over two million nonprofits in the country right and you try to stand out among all these nonprofits right because you really want people to be donating their hard-earned money towards you guys or their resources or their talents to your organization we want to do just a little bit to help you stand out you know by bringing recognition and education to what back to blue canine force is doing on a day-to-day -day basis in the grind to help law enforcement agencies in their area i'm sure there's a vision for 2024 john what's that vision what do you guys see coming up this year i'm hoping that we're gonna kind of revamp a little bit and clean up the rex run and we're going to clean up some of these events and kind of grow some of the ways that we're we're fundraising so that um we're really looking forward to you know enhancing some of the equipment that our dogs have and we're looking forward to to really probably growing. I think growth is key. Um, I, I tell Diane all the time, she works tirelessly with all the people that that support her and that help back the blue and that help us. Um, and I think growth in the terms of, of getting the name out there, right? It's like you said, right? You're in the sea of, of nonprofits. How do you get your mission to be known? And I think the best way that we can do that is by talking to people, right? About what it is that our needs are and what what the mission is really, I think even specifically, right? So I think for 2024, identifying specific needs that our dogs have, communicating them out to to the public a little bit better than we than we have had in the past. And I think just always getting better, right? How can we get better this year? How can we yeah. better our program, better our training, better everything? So I think um, when it comes time to, you know, there's gonna be a lot of agencies I know this year that are gonna have needs. Um, and yeah. and it's and it's hard, you don't ever wanna say no, but I think 24 will be a good year to encourage people to, to get involved especially yeah. to get other agencies involved. If you want 
Yeah. You know, if you want a nonprofit to work with you, the easiest way to do that is to find out how you can get involved. Hey, if yeah. we need funding for agency, how can I get involved in your nonprofit to be helpful so that you can help fundraise for us? So I think that's going to kind of be, I know I said a lot, but I think we've got a lot of hefty goals for, for 2024. Um, and I think it just, we're going to set our sights on growth. How can we grow back the blue canine force to back as many dogs as we can? Yeah, well, if you're sitting still, you're dying. So you got to be growing, right? You're so right. We got to we got to keep pushing. And yeah. For those that are listening, I think it's important for you to understand that the wheel only turns if you get involved in some form or fashion, right? Everybody wants something, but we also got to donate our time and yes. our resources and the things that we have and we've been blessed with. And some of those are skill sets, some of those are money, and some of those are talents. So guys, don't be scared to get involved. We're going to have in our show notes how to contact Back to Blue Canine Force. We're going to give you directions in the show notes on how you can donate. It's important that even if you can't donate now or, yeah. uh, you know, you have a need, maybe to get some understanding on how you can support, even if you're not in the area that you guys are in in Colorado, but you're somewhere else in the country or you want to get this program started or get some guidance on this SRR program. I mean, it's remarkable. So the amount of resources that I think that you guys can even lend out outside of just donations is remarkable as well. So we wanna make sure everybody has that information. I appreciate that. And I'm more than happy, trust me, I, like I said, I'm learning a lot, but I'm more than happy to share any information I have or any of the, you know, I do it all the time. I send people policy, procedure, whatever you want. If you are growing a program and you need something, I don't care, call me. I, I give my phone number out to people all the time. The easiest way to do it is just to reach out to somebody. All right, John, what's your phone, your cell number? If you can give that out now. I'm just joking. <laughs> I will. I'll plaster it out there. Just joking, John, don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, no, we appreciate it though. I mean, it's yeah. one of those things that's like, sometimes you're like, how am I going to get in touch with somebody in, you know, some other state, you know, I'm never going to hear back from this person. Right. So sometimes it's nice to have somebody you can actually get a hold of. <laughs> we appreciate you guys having us on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is awesome. Yeah, it's great. You know, the biggest focus of the source uh, is to be a resource for other people, whether it's starting a kennel, whether it's training, whether it's we run our short sets on Tuesdays and then our long um, podcast on Fridays. But it's really about content of canine related industry stuff. And it's stuff that we've learned over the years, yep. because just like you guys and your organization, some things we learn through punishment and some things we learn through reward. and we want to share those those avenues with other people that may not be as blessed as we've been to have a full team to to build it essentially out of a garage to what we are today and it's it's amazing to see that unfold just like you have those resources that you guys can share on the nonprofit side on the SRO and that dog program side like that those are things that are unheard of and the value of that is unheard of and and for those that are even thinking about it like this is a valuable resource that like it's a, it's a, it's a gem just sitting there that nobody's even tapped into yet i feel like yeah 
I think the more, like you said, the more we can utilize information that other people have and kind of work together, especially when it comes to dogs is massive. You know, I'm always willing to steal somebody else's tip or trick always. Yeah, of course. I'll give you credit for it, but I'm going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, not ashamed at all. Like yeah. this, you know, this is the culmination of information that you've gathered now that people can tap into. Yeah. And before we get off here, I want you to give a shout out one more time to your agency, because yep. I'm sure you guys need people. And yep. who wouldn't want to work for a forward thinking administration? I'm who wouldn't want to work for that? Yeah. Yeah. We, we encourage people to, uh, you know, come and apply with Rappo County Sheriff's office. Um, we are always looking for people and, you know, like I said, I worked there for 14 years and I know in law enforcement, a lot of people always think the grass is always greener and, and, but I will say, you know, I've worked there for three different sheriffs and it's, it's been unbelievable to see the level of support that we've had. And I think that when it comes to law enforcement, it's pretty powerful when you can start a new program as just a deputy. I'm not a supervisor. I don't have any special, you know, rank or anything like that, but it's pretty powerful that with me and the help of my supervisor and our team that we were able to do this. And I think that it's, it's awesome to, to work for a place like that. You're right. Yeah. Awesome. And then, um, again, that contact information will be on the show notes. So we appreciate you, John, and the work you guys are doing. And I appreciate you spending an evening with me. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having us on for real. It's awesome.